Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Uh, well, it's always good to have a continuity uh, with with not only with that group but with every group. You know, the, it's nice to uh, get out there and practice. You know, he missed a decent amount of time, but uh, he's a smart guy, and uh, I think. Uh, Josh and them work well together. Um, you know, I think Bradbury helps him get on the right track, so it should be good. That was Mike Zimmer answering my question to him today about having continuity on the offensive line during training camp and preseason, for the most part, aside from... Uh, Brian O'Neill missing a couple of weeks, but it appears he is going to play. Stephon Diggs is questionable for Sunday, and I would guess based on practice, uh, the fact that he did participate would mean not in full uh, yesterday, but at least in some capacity that Stephon Diggs would be on the field on Sunday. So here we are. We are Hours away now, Judd, it feels like. We are counting down the seconds and the moments to Minnesota Vikings football. Yes, sir. What are you feeling? I'm feeling like last night's Bears-Packers tilt was reflective of the first month of the season, and all of those people who said, man, this is this game's terrible and it's no good, should prepare themselves for the fact that probably Vikings-Falcons on Sunday, and pretty much the first month of the year, is going to be very much like we saw on Thursday night, and yet, because I'm a football junkie, I don't care. I'm still excited for it. Well, so I was thinking about that because I was listening to um, Danny and Rami and Manny before this as I was uh, getting in here from TCO Performance Center, and they were talking with a fantasy football guy, and they asked him that very question, like, should we expect it to be a truck fire around the league in week one just because of what we saw last night? And I and I guess that's a good question, is uh, do we just have two really good defenses there in Chicago and in Green Bay, or is it... One quarterback in Aaron Rodgers trying to learn a new offense and he hasn't gotten enough reps during the preseason, so he's figuring it out. Mitch Trubisky is probably not very good, so that looked to me like Mitch Trubisky will probably look against any halfway competent defense. But I don't expect, Judd, for the whole league to look like they haven't tried to offense through the entire training camp. Because last year, we came out in week one, and the NFL was setting records and throwing the ball all over the place. And the Vikings offense had a couple of hiccups in that game, but played pretty well against the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, there are some things that have to get figured out by teams, but... I don't suspect that we're going to see football that ugly all across the league, aside from one area. You know what that is? What's that? That would be those yellow hankies. I oh, think yeah, that we're going to see those. Early on, well, but we're going to see thing, a right? lot of the flags, yes. All right, so if there are teams that have productive offensive days, which there will be on Sunday, you will see also what you probably didn't see a lot of last night. I thought the defenses were pretty good last night. They were, yeah. We are going to see, and I want to say for the last couple of years or so, we have seen teams that come out in week one and basically probably through week three or in, into week four can't tackle. So I guess my point is we need to accept that September is going to be filled with warts and bad games at times. And it might be that some teams' offenses look awful, Matthew. It might be that some teams' defenses. It might be that we see a plethora of uh, of flags from the officials. Now, the good news if you are a true football fan is I've got the musk to cover up the stench for you. 
It's called the red zone. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to sit, at, no, I'm yes. serious. If you're going to sit at home and watch games and, and turn on Scott Hansen and the red zone on cable, it's fantastic because what do they do? They say, let's go from that really bad play to three really cool plays. Um, but if you're going to sit down and watch the Falcons and if your expectation is preseason is done, now let's see the real thing and it's going to be crisp and clean. That, to me, is the stretch there because there are going to be warts and flaws. And I'm not saying that it means all games are going to stink. But this is the new, and I think it's been this way probably now for going on five years, this is the new National Football League. Training camp starts, we're excited. And then we get tired of that. We say, preseason starting, we're excited. And then we watch two or three games and we're like, this is terrible. Regular (laughs) season started, we're excited. And the reality is, I think until... We get to October. There's a lot of flaws, but we, but people love the sport, which is absolutely fine. I just, if we sit down on Sunday and watch Vikings Falcons and it's not what we expect, don't be shocked. Right. Because the teams will get it together and it's much smarter to not have your stars playing in the preseason. That's exactly right. I, I would absolutely trade three three and outs from Aaron Rodgers yes. for uh, a healthy Aaron oh. Rodgers coming out of preseason. And to be clear, off what you just said, I have no fix. No, there isn't. I'm with you. No. There's no. There, there's no. If if um, if Aaron Rodgers and that Packers offense had played three preseason games for a quarter or or a half, I'm with you. I ain't doing that. So I'm offering the problem with no solution, and I think the solution is just sort of sucking it up and saying I like football. All right. So here is my thing off of last night, though. Because uh, Meyer Metcalf's going to be on second hour. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that game specifically and how Trubisky looked and so forth. My takeaway, though, as it relates to the Vikings, is if you are going to win this division, three human beings better be pretty darn good. Do you know who those three human beings are on the Minnesota Vikings? I'm going to start with an obvious one and say Kirk Cousins. I'm not thinking Kirk Cousins. Really? Because I th- Because Kirk is going to be Kirk. These people impact Kirk Cousins. Okay, quite a bit. I'm, I'm going to give you. So that, that was guess one. Buzz me. I'm wrong. Uh, guess two. Xavier Rhodes. Uh, nope. Okay. Not who I'm thinking of. Uh, Del- Dalvin Cook. Not who I'm thinking of. Okay. Because I I don't know on Xavier Rhodes. I know Dalvin Cook will be good if he stays healthy. I know what Kirk Cousins is. All right. Garrett Bradbury, Josh Klein, and Pat Elfline. If those guys do not play well against the Green Bay Packers, you're setting them up for a fall. I see or against the Chicago Bears, very creative of you. Put this in an audiogram and tweet it. Okay, if <laughs> if those guys do not play well, you won't win the division. It's it, it is that simple. After watching that last night, those defensive lines, what they have done, bringing in Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith in Green Bay to go along with Kenny Clark and what Chicago has with Akeem Hicks. Akeem Hicks is only a slight shade behind Aaron Donald for most dominant interior player in the NFL. Mike Daniels now plays for Detroit. And I know you don't believe in Detroit because of their head coach, and I don't disagree with you, but I certainly believe Mike Daniels could blow up this defense, uh, this offensive line. If it is not healthy, if Bradbury doesn't adapt quickly, if Josh Klein isn't better than he was for Tennessee, if Pat Elfline doesn't really figure out how to play some good left guard, I mean, if he's just if he's just mediocre to bad at left guard, Kirk Cousins is getting blown up through the middle, and Delvin Cook is not going to be able to do what Delvin Cook can do because it's going to go like it did last year against Los Angeles or against Philly with Fletcher Cox or against Chicago with Akeem Hicks last. Year. It's going to go like that if those three guys are not really sturdy. And these offensive lines are better than the Vikings line. The Packers and the Bears, and both of the defensive lines just blew them up last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw Aaron Rodgers getting sacked on rushes up the middle. You saw Trubisky, who's a great athlete, getting sacked. These two defensive lines, specifically Green Bay and Chicago, have the capability of ruining the Vikings game plan every time they play them. If you're a Vikings fan, I would say off of last night, here's what should have scared you most. And it didn't happen during the game. It happened post-game. Aaron Rodgers in that bleep-eating grin after his team scored 10 points was based on one thing. The realization of, oh my God, we have a defense. I watched that press conference, and but the, he could not contain his smile but about can, it. But think about that. They scored 10 points. They did not, look, they game, did yep. not look good. And, and from the time towards the end of that game on the sideline that Aaron ran up to Mike Pettin and basically... This bumped him or bumped him. Aaron Rodgers was thrilled. 
Aaron Rodgers was probably happier than any point I've seen him in the last, let's say, two years. So you're right. And the Vikings are, offensive line-wise, here's my problem. I think it's too much to ask all three of those guys' interior to hold up what you're asking. And in Josh Klein's case, I don't even think I fault Josh Klein. He's Josh Klein. He's coming off a bad year. But what you're asking or what you're saying has to happen, and not just once now, but you're going to play the Bears and Packers twice apiece, handicap what you think the odds are that those three guys, and it can't be one of them. Bradbury can't have a good game and say he saved Josh Klein's butt because that's not how this works. And we saw that with Joe Berger in 2016 he was good and the guards weren't. So so you tell me, so, so off of what you just told me, which I don't disagree with, you tell me now what you think the odds are that this is going to go according to what the plan would be. How I think it's going to go? Yeah, with all three guys. Because one of them can't break down. Like, you can't have one guy have a bad game and say the other two saved him. Here's I, Let's look at the schedule. I want to pull this up. I want to see... I'm, I'm, I'm just saying just, Packers I'm, and Bears. I'm gonna, but I want to look at this for the full schedule for how many times they play a game wrecker in the middle. And then I'll tell you how it's going to go. Against those two teams, these guys are getting killed. Like, that's what's going to happen. These guys are not holding up. Garrett Bradbury, I think, is a very talented player, but the center, I mean, there's only so much one guy can do, and they impact each other on the inside. I don't think Klein is very good, and I don't have much confidence in Pat Elfline being a above-average left guard. I think if he's an average left guard, then you've gotten away with something. And Pro Football Focus put out their rankings of what they think the Vikings' uh, offensive line will be. They ranked all the lines 25th. So they don't think it's going to be a huge, huge upgrade. That's probably fair. The only guy that I could see being way better than he was last year is Brian O'Neill. But then he missed some training camp, so we'll see. All right, how many game records do they face? All right. For sure this week. Keep an eye on Grady Jarrett. Mm-hmm. But I think because the edge rushers are eh, with this team, with Atlanta, they can contain one player like they did with DeForest Buckner last year from San Francisco. Green Bay, it's a problem. I know that I've said it a bunch of times, but Zadarius Smith, if you watched him last night, he's a monster. And Preston Smith's not a joker either. Mm-hmm. Oakland, uh, Maurice Hurst is okay, but I don't fear Oakland on the inside. Chicago, so that's three of the f- first four weeks. New York doesn't have anybody that really scares you. We'll see what uh, Dexter Lawrence is, but he doesn't scare you as a pass rusher. Philadelphia, Fletcher Cox. So that is four out of six games. Detroit, Mike Daniels is there, Damon Harrison. That's five out of seven games. Washington actually has the most underrated defensive line that you're ever going to find. Across the board, they're good on the defensive line. They've got high draft picks in the middle. They're pretty good. So that's six out of eight. Kansas City has Frank Clark on the outside, but nobody on the... No, Chris Jones on the inside. That's seven out of nine. You see what I'm getting at here? I, mean, I see exactly what you're getting but, at. Like Almost every week, you are playing some game wrecker on the inside. And if these guys aren't good, especially in these NFC North games... It's last year we saw Akeem Hicks did more damage to this team or just as much as Khalil Mack did coming off of the edge. And now in the NFL, the disadvantage that your offensive line is at on the interior, I mean, you've brought this up, Judd, but it's never been this big of a gap or there has never been in the NFL history this many amazing interior which defensive is why guard, Which is why guards are now getting paid. Oh, absolutely. Because it used That's to be, Rogers well, we'll just take the guy and yep. put him at guard and he'll he'll be fine. It's not now. No. You're not, not fine all. now. Not at all. The state of guard play is nowhere near what the state of interior defensive now, uh, line play is, and it really showed up from last night. Off last night, I do think, and it's one game, but I do think that Mitch Trubisky, there's something wrong there. I just don't think he's that great. He, he's not going to be that good. But that being said, don't make that then have you sleep on the Packer defense. I think the Packers, I think the Packers fine. The reason why Aaron Rodgers is so happy is after all of these years, and think about it, it's been a very long time. The Green Bay Packers basically went out and said, we gotta, we gotta help them there. We gotta do this. And the other problem is this. Mike Pettin is a great DC. Yes. And I love yep. Mike Pettin because Mike Pettin came out, yeah. came out last year and said, I will never be a head coach again. I hated it. It's not me. <laughs> I won't do it. But guess what? I'm a really good coordinator. And so now, Trubisky's failures last night are are reflective, I think, probably of some future struggles for him. But that does not make me dismiss what the Packers did. So to your point here, three new guys on the defensive front for the Green Bay Packers, Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, that he's their top pick. 
Gary only played six snaps and had two pressures. Preston Smith had six, and Zadarius Smith had ten. To put that in context, I think that no Viking last year had ten pressures in a single game that I remember. That's how much Zadarius Smith dominated last night. He has been a huge staple in Ravens defenses that have been great, and it was the most underrated signing in the NFL. And if they know how to use these two guys, Zadarius and Preston Smith, the Vikings' offensive line has got a lot of problems going for it. I don't believe in Riley Reef at all as a top pass protector. He's a decent run blocker, but at this point, you're not sure what you're getting from week to week. And that interior, man, I mean, I think a lot of it will swing on how does a rookie adapt quickly because right out of the gate, Sunday, Grady Jarrett, Mike Zimmer had a great breakdown of Grady Jarrett today when I asked him about why he's so difficult to handle, and I have it here somewhere. And he said basically he reminds him of Geno Atkins, like a guy who is oh, just... He loved. He loved Geno Atkins, right. He is. Uh, he said, um, let's see, he's got great power, great quickness, and then he said if you basically sit back on him because he's a smaller player, he'll just overpower you. Mm-hmm. And he's. you would imagine Zimmer being really impressed with Grady Jarrett. He is. So am I. He was one of Pro Football Focus's top players at the position last year. So, I mean, this is where everything that the Vikings have done on the offensive side makes complete sense to me. That changing to the Gary Kubiak thing, the offense looks way better in, in training camp practice. Josh Doxson, I really like that move to bring him in. That's the one thing that... I don't know how it's going to play out, and I don't have a lot of confidence in that interior of the defensive line now that the NFC North has gotten significantly better at that position. And in his rookie year, it's completely unfair to expect Bradbury to pop, to prop up his guards. 100%. Like, you can't expect that. If he... Garrett Bradbury in in January should only be judged on one thing. How did he play at his position? And if the guards got their butts kicked, that can't be his fault. Now, maybe in a year or two... He can help there. I don't know. But you can't take a young player like that making the leap to this league and say, yeah, our guards aren't that good. That's not possible. Okay, I believe Sage Rosenfels is going to join us next. And uh, we're going to discuss a little bit more about quarterbacks handling interior pressure. And then I have, um, there was a tweet today by Don Van Nata. You know him, the the writer. He's a Vikings fan. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to tell you his tweet because it made me laugh today. And I want to ask whether it's more likely that the Vikings go 8-8 eight and eight or Courtney Cronin's 11-5. and five. Like, Which one, All right. if you had to put down $1,000, what would you say is more likely? We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. He's a compact guy that is very, very quick and uh, strong as well. Um, You know, Geno Atkins, another guy very similar to him, got got great uh, quickness. But then they can use power as well. So if you if you start sitting back on them, then all of a sudden, you know, they they start powering you. And, uh, he's just he's just a really really good football player. Sometimes I wonder it when Mike Zimmer starts talking about great defensive linemen or great defensive players, if he forgets that they're on the other team and he'll just get excited. He'll just be like, "Oh man, this guy, he's fun to watch. He's great." Like, well, he is playing against you. Well, he, well, yeah, but I mean, you know what he is? You see him out there. He's like me. <laughs> He's like me. He loves good football. Twins win or lose, I don't care. I want a great game. Yeah. His yep. face lit up when you asked him that question, yes. by the way. Yes. It's, he was he actually, actually, you guys. when yeah. I said Grady Jarrett, he smiled like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he, saw, he saw like a little uptick in his like in his emotions. Just like, oh, what? Somebody I like? He yeah, invoked the name of Geno Atkins, a I, man yeah. he loves. He definitely loves. And, uh, I mean, Grady Jarrett is good, so that's going to be the matchup to watch. On Sunday, for sure, him versus the uh, Vikings. What's the matchup there? Line. Do you do they try and slide and double it? So I would say what they're going to try to do, and this is going to be the plan for everybody. What they're going to try to do right. is get 
all these the good defensive linemen moving left to right. That's going to be the plan. The problem, of course, is when you have somebody with the elite-level quickness of Grady Jarrett is that if he has a sense for what you're going to do, then he can jump that and find gaps and blow up plays before they even happen, right? I mean, so like the the whole zone running thing and play action is about getting people moving left to right. Uh, or, you know, I mean, if you're faking a handoff and rolling out the other direction, then you're having everyone turn and block to their left, for example, right? Now, that would mean that you get, let's say, your right shoulder on Grady Jarrett or right hand on Grady Jarrett and then kind of pass him off to the next guy, that kind of thing. But he's so quick that he can just shred those blocks and get into the backfield to be after your quarterback before you even get a chance to roll out Kirk Cousins. The other thing is that since teams know they're going to do this, I'm interested to see if they try to guess when the Vikings are going to do it and they blitz because they actually did this a couple times last year. There was a, I want to say it was an interception by Cousins against Arizona. Mm -hmm. You remember this? And so they either blitzed or had their defensive end come straight up field as opposed to coming after the quarterback or trying to contain for the cutback. This is where Delvin Cook is important. And whoever their defensive end is just came straight up field. And as soon as Cousins faked the handoff and turned around, the guy was in his face. And what Cousins should have done is throw it into the stands. But instead, he tried to throw it to somebody and it was picked off. And that will happen when you don't throw the ball away, which he, for some reason, kind of refuses to do. Uh, but I think that defensive tackles, if they're quick enough, they can shoot those tiny gaps there and shred blockers and get into the backfield when you're trying to do things that actually are advantageous to them. And you saw this last night. So Matt LaFleur has the same thing right. as what the Vikings are going to do. And yet the Chicago defensive line had no problem getting in Aaron Rodgers' face, causing sacks and things like that. So I don't think, uh, even though this is beneficial to run this system, it's not like, oh, if you just run this system, you're fine, and you can have a bad offensive line, or or that all these defensive players just won't know what to do. They know what to do. Can I, after a quick Game theory question off last night's game, before yeah. we continue with Vikings-Falcons talk, uh, what was young Matthew LaFleur doing late in that game on, was it second and five, trying to throw the football? Second and five, how late in the it's game? It's late in the game. The Packers are up. There's like 153 oh, yeah, left. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it got to third and five, and they did run, and they had to punt. But it's second and five, and Rodgers throws a pass. Incomplete, stops the clock. Yes. Third and five, yeah. and now they run. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, we've talked about this with uh, what Adrian Peterson used to be great at, was if you looked at his yards per carry in the fourth quarter, especially 2015, he's great at this. The, if the Vikings were up... He was going to break a run or he was going to pound and, and you were going to get a couple of first downs and just wind clock and win the game. And with Aaron Jones in their backfield, they should be able to do the same thing. I think what we saw last night is two defensive lines that are so good that they couldn't really run against each other very effectively. And people were asking about, well, why did uh, you know, they only run a handful of times with Chicago? I think it, it's very hard to be effective when the other team's defensive line is playing so well. So that that could be part of it, where okay. they thought, I well, just, let's just complete an easy pass it and confused me. move along. But I think sometimes uh, coaches do get a little out ahead of themselves and, and don't keep it simple. Let me tell you about uh, Don Van Nato's tweet here. He is uh, ESPN, Outside the Lines, best-selling author, like really famous writer, I guess you would say, Don Van Nato. Follows me on Twitter. And he is a Minnesota Vikings fan. Mm -hmm. He tweeted, I just met a guy on my flight wearing a Vikings jacket. We're going 7-9, and nine, I told him. I immediately felt bad because it looked <laughs> as if he were going to weep. Finally, he said, quote, I know, man, Kirk Cousins. What's your reaction <laughs> to that, Judd? Wow. Uh, no, my reaction is I'm not surprised one bit. Oh, no, not surprised. It's just... It's surprising. So bleak. It's, it's so still, bleak. It's still amazing. He's a veteran journalist who's seen it all before, and he's a Vikings fan. Do it's you, the double whammy. Here, so here's a question. Yeah. Do you think more Vikings fans believe like that Viking fan in the jacket that they're going 7-9, and nine, or what uh, Alex Boone and Courtney picked that they're going to go 11-5? and five? Did I say, what did I say? Did I say 11-5 twice? 7-9 yeah. Se and nine or 11-5? and five? Like the fan thinks, which one do I believe, or which no, one do I think fans? Which believe? one do you think more fans? I think fans. Think. I think my my sense is that Vikings fans, after a year of Kirk, are resigned to it not being as good as they had expected and or hoped going into 2018. Now, 
Seven to nine is aggressively bad because that's a Spielman's fired, Zimmer's fired bad. But I don't, I'm not sure about you. I don't sense an optimism from Vikings fans. And I think the reason why that optimism is waning or has, has gone away right now, Matthew, is largely based on the lack of faith in Kirk. I think there is an overall lack of faith because Kirk put up statistically a really good year. But if you're a Vikings fan and you watched all 16 games, you saw it. You saw the problems. You saw the warts. You saw the primetime games. You saw him shrink, right? So I'm not trying to say that the majority of Vikings fans think that 7-9 and nine is going to happen, but I do think that there is a very um, cautious approach and, and a lot of, I think the best word is trepidation from fans towards this season. I'm putting this out as a poll. Okay. Um, I'm going to see what more people think. I, I like the Twitter polls as getting sort of a snapshot mm-hmm. of what fans think. Because I agree with what you're saying. That Vikings fans, after last year, after they saw Kirk Cousins struggle to lead the team, struggle in the big games, struggle against the Chicago Bears, whose defense looked fine to me. Uh, they, they didn't pick off as many passes and run them for touchdowns. But that's even if they go 8-8, eight eight, that's going to be a top defense for sure. Yes. Um uh, so I think when you see that, and then when you see that the um, the Packers have improved their defensive line as well, then you start to think, well, you know, you got some big games against those guys, and Kirk Cousins isn't going to be able to step up, and everything else, right? So um, I, I think that more fans will vote seven and nine than eleven and five because of Kirk Cousins and just not generally believing in him. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to find out. But I, I think the best word is trepidation. I think it's very hard to buy into the fact that this guy is going to be successful enough, one, one to lead you to a division title, which he very well might, but that's hard. But then the second part of that is, okay, let's say they win 11 games, like Courtney said. Do they win playoff games? I don't know. There's a lot of things here that, and, and I've got them on 10 wins. I think they win 10 games. That might be a little aggressive, but I think that they do win 10 games. But can I say that with a complete confidence, given who their quarterback is and given the fact that they basically uh, tweaked and or played with the offensive line, and I like the fact they changed the scheme to it, but they didn't really improve the personnel much? Can I be completely confident? Absolutely not. No, uh, and I would be more confident in them doing the eleven and five thing or the ten and six, which is what I picked them at. 10 I got them at ten. Yep. Um, if the interior of the offensive line was better, now sometimes you can see the forest through the trees or struggle to see the forest through the trees a little bit with football teams. And I had a conversation with Robert Mays about this at training camp, where he was like, "So, what's your feeling on this team?" And last year I said, mm, I don't think you're going to go 8-8 eight eight because I, I really didn't like what I saw from John Filippo or the offensive line. And I said, well, you know, I'm not sure what they're doing, a three technique here, you know, Shamar Steffen's back, that's exciting. And then I was like, eh, I'm not sure about the interior of the offensive line. He was like, look, I mean, you got talent all over this field. They've paid tons of people who are good or in their prime or late prime, and you have a, a mid-pack quarterback who – has more weapons now and a better offensive system. Like this team should be good. And I, I agree with that on the whole. But if anyone runs into me at the airport, uh, in week four when I'm headed to Chicago and says, I'm still thinking they're going to go seven and nine or something, I'm not going to say, you are wrong, sir. Right. You know, no, I agree with like, you. I'm not going to say that because I can totally see why people wouldn't have a huge amount of confidence in a quarterback that has never in his career been able to take competent or good teams, not great teams, not the 49ers from 1994, but like good teams has never been able to take them anywhere. And then can they win in the playoffs? I mean, we got to see. And the plus, here's two guys are going to, to get hurt. We know that. So. What's your depth like? Okay, well, if somebody goes down on the old line, you're in a lot of trouble. And by the way, that's saying a lot because I don't trust the starters. But, you know, if Rashad Hill has to step in a tackle, it's a downgrade definitely, right? If one of your two tight ends, uh, starting two tight ends goes down, that's a problem because the tight ends are going to play a big role. If one of your top two receivers goes down 
And, and I'm not saying across the board that this would, wouldn't impact teams, but if you want to talk about, is this potentially a Super Bowl team? Is this a team that can get to the playoffs and make a deep run? You have to have some depth, right? And offensively, where's that depth? Run, running back, I guess, maybe? Although if Dalvin Cook goes down, and he very well might. But if I if I said, okay, you can plug and play a tackle, if if Reef, who very well could get hurt, goes down, and, you, and you'll be fine at left tackle for two weeks or three weeks or a month. But the conversation here is your depth, partially based on, on who you brought back on defense, is very shallow. Can we rank players on the Vikings who would impact the record between eleven and five and seven and nine? Because the first tweet that I got was well, actually the first tweet was great because it was a Michael Scott gif that said, I'm ready to get hurt again, which I think is always Vikings fans well, when they go into week one. Like just that's every they year, have though. mentally prepared Yeah, I mean if, the if far you're year, minute, I think they were prepared to be hurt again. If you're a Minnesota sports fan in general, you're ready to get hurt again. I just thought that was the perfect gif for Minnesota sports. Um but the, the, one of the first tweets that I got was, it's all dependent on Delvin Cook's health. And I'm not sure that I agree with that necessarily. But saying it's all dependent on the quarterback is just sort of like, well, okay. I mean, of course, every team is dependent on the quarterback. But who else? Who not Kirk Cousins could move the needle? Give you an example here. Mm-hmm. If Julio Jones doesn't play on Sunday because he doesn't have a contract extension, it moves the needle. If Julio Jones was going to sit out the whole well, year, I'll give you, one easy. you would give them two fewer wins, right? If Diggs or Thielen goes down for a month or more, you've got huge problems. Either one. I would huge problems. I, I agree that that would be a difference. If you had either one of them out for a significant amount of time, that's the difference between 11 and 5 and 7 and 9. Absolutely. That's my first one. I don't even think I put Delvin Cook there because the running backs they have behind him are pretty talented. Alexander Madison is good, and Mike Boone can play. We saw that training camp preseason two years in a row, and even Amir Abdullah can play Okay, let's make it this. Who who could be hurt or out for an extended period of time that would submarine your season completely? A running back? Now, if Cook is healthy and goes ballistic and is great, you could probably get to 11 or perhaps even 12 wins. But I don't know if that, if him being out drags you down to, let's say, six or seven wins, okay? But I, if you lose Thielen or Diggs for a substantial amount of time, you are in a world of trouble. Would it be, would it be one of the tackles? Knowing how important it is for Kirk Cousins to not get pressured around the edge because he fumbles. And the, and the current left tackle, as you pointed out, concerns me already. He's not great, but if it's got to yeah, be Rashad, Rashad Hill, Hill yeah. the reason Rashad Hill was able to hang tight in 2017 for a number of games, and I like Rashad, it's hard to play tackle in the NFL, so he's a decent backup, mm-hmm. but if you have to play him for more than a few games, you see what happened in the NFC Championship game against Philly uh, with Rashad Hill. So he deserves to be on the team, and he's a decent swing tackle, it's fine, but if Riley Reef was gone for a whole season and you had to play Rashad Hill the whole year at left tackle, you're in a world trouble. Or move Brian O'Neill the left tackle. Uh, I mean that you're right. That is that's that's a huge. I, huge I think. I, but how many wins are these things worth? I guess because people will get hurt. Things okay. are going to happen, and we we know that uh, the receivers going down for any part of time is going to hurt them. I just want to know what the difference is between eleven and five and seven and nine for these team or for a team like this, because I could completely see either outcome. I lean much more toward odds being that they would go 11 and 5 than they would 7 and 9, but anybody who you run into and says, "Yeah, I think they're going to go 7 and 9." I mean, I I can't really fight you on it because it's a rational thing to say. It wouldn't it wouldn't be but rational. But that's all based on Kirk, right? Yeah, I think that's, it is. That's largely based on what we saw in 2018 and the fact that there is a lack of faith in Kirk. What about what about Harry Harrison Smith. Yeah, I, I think Harrison Smith is also oh, defensive the wise. To that question. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be just offensive wise. Harrison Smith would. Um, if Linval was out for an extended period of time, I think it drags it drags you down because I think the interior of your line's in trouble. Then don't you? Um, if if Griffin goes down, I think you're fine. In fact, the defensive ends, Hunter, maybe. I'm 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 trying to think of what would make you bad. Hunter would so, be so tough. like so, so like. Delvin Cook being out might affect a win or two either way, win-loss. But I'm trying to think of if you if you went to a game and this guy got hurt 
and you got home on Sunday night and thought, they're bleeped. So they're just going to, now they're going to win six games. It's a small list, right? Yes. It's a small list. Yes. Diggs, Thielen, Harrison Smith. I, You know what? At this point, I probably wouldn't even include the cornerbacks in that one. I wouldn't either because Mike Hughes will come back and Holton Hill midway through the season will come back. And Mike Zimmer seems to be able to scheme around Correct. shortcomings at almost any position except for the Harrison Smith position. When Harrison Smith was hurt late in 2016 or out, I mean, they just got smoked on defense. Your other safeties just can't get close to him. Yeah, no, I mean... Like, you can't scheme them. You can't scheme Smith's replacement to be probably 50% of what Smith is, right? The, right. The drop-off between Harrison Smith and J. Ron Curse, who I like, sure. is, but is probably going from a starting quarterback to a backup quarterback. What does What does an extended absence by Joseph do? I don't think it would be as problematic as you might expect or as Zimmer would act like because stopping the run would be a little harder. But Shamar Stafford could play nose tackle, and he could stuff the run. And Sufficiently? This is it's a little bit of a salary cap point, by the way. If Linval Joseph is not a top-five defensive tackle overall and getting after the passer because he's just a little older now, then what they're paying him isn't even close to worth it. If he's not getting after the passer and all he's doing is stuffing the run, I think you could hang on for dear life with Shamar Stefan in there because he's just good enough at stopping the run. That position is questionable to begin with, though, I think, even because of Linval's status and because of who they have uh, at the other defensive tackles. I mean, Mike Zimmer was asked about it today. So who, like, how are you going to manage all these defensive tackles? You guys kept a bunch of them. Armin Watts and Hercules Mata'afa. Not rotating him, I can tell you that after well, last year. I actually, you know. I don't like the rotation. I, I, that's what I want to see. My guess is that it's Shamar Stefan and Linval Joseph all the time except third down and more than six. That would be my guess. And then, Is Joseph fine now, by the way? I won't know till Sunday. But, I mean, but what's, your, what's he, your guess here? My guess is he's going to be behind. Because okay. when you miss that much of training camp, I, I have now seen this enough times with Latavius Murray, with Pat Elfline, guys who miss camp, it really takes a while before they're back to 100% in playing style. I don't know if that position moves me, though, on the needle. Like, what can drop me for a few wins? Yeah. Defensive tackle probably is But I'm it. talking a lot of wins, too. No, I'm, I'm talking about what would make you think it's over. Hmm. Like, they're going to win six games now. And the other uh, question, not, yeah. uh, the other question offensively that I would come back to is this: What would completely nullify Kirk Cousins? Like, what would make him? What can't he lose? And, and I go back to Thielen and or Diggs. Tight ends. If Kyle goes out, can he get by? I don't know. Mm. I would uh, think that you might be able to scheme around it. That would be hard, but I wouldn't drop it a bunch of wins. But this is what concerns me from the outset of the show, our conversation. What concerns me is the interior of the line right now, as it's starting on Sunday, might be his undoing in some ways. I'll give you another one in terms of what could undo Kirk Cousins, because definitely the offensive line. There's no question about that. It played a role in his struggles last year for sure. Uh, the way that I liked to put it was they weren't a Super Bowl contender because of the line. They certainly could have made the playoffs with that line. But making the playoffs this year, if it was, even if it had been last year, a 9-6-1, it's like, okay, well, yeah, all right, well, this wasn't what you were really going for, though. And if it was 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven, you made the playoffs and your offensive line was abysmal again, then you'd probably look at it and go, this really still wasn't what you were looking for. I think you're looking for a big upgrade. But I, I would say if there's a thing that can undo Cousins, aside from losing elite receivers, that's going to hurt anybody. It would be if the Stefanski-Kubiak thing is not as advertised. If, let's just say, for example, you know, teams have seen Gary Kubiak offenses for so long that they know the rules on the offense. This is something that I'm curious about for uh, Matt Nagy. If defenses figure out your rules, if they figure out where your quarterback reads go in certain situations, then they can manipulate you as an offense knowing what you're going to see from them defensively. I think the Packers did that last night. And uh, if they know these Kubiak offenses so well, then it's possible that it won't work out the way that we think it will. Now, if I'm leaning one direction, I say that Stefanski is as bright as advertised. I think that Kubiak probably can help quite a bit, and this offense is much smarter and much better. That's my That would be my bet. But if you're asking me what could undo it, it would be if none of that turns out the way we thought. 
And it's basically out-schemed? Uh, it's that... Figured out quickly? Other teams know what they're going to do, basically. Yep. And, and they play to that. And then what you have is... So there have been bad offensive coordinators and bad offensive head coaches who have won Super Bowls because they have great quarterbacks. And those quarterbacks take over the offense, make it their own, and boom, there you go, right? Um, Alex Boone had a great story about Peyton Manning basically saying, I'm only signing where I'm running the Peyton Manning offense, and that's it. (laughs) Which is not surprising. No, not surprising at all. Favre said, see you later, Jets. You don't run the offense I want to run. Exactly. That There are certain quarterbacks who are so good that they're going to be able to make up for stuff. Or how about a Deshaun Watson? I'm not sure that Houston has any idea what they're doing with anything. But Deshaun Watson could pull the ball down, make a play, make a special throw like he's just – knows how to win games, and he's that talented. This quarterback needs that offense to be really good. Yes. And in 2016, when he was playing with Sean McVay, you've seen what McVay has done for Jared Goff. Uh, Kirk Cousins was legitimately excellent for that season. He was a top-10 quarterback in 2016. Probably, I think on PFF, he was ninth. I would agree with that from you know making a comparison there. So I look at it as uh, if the offense is excellent, then Cousins can execute it, and they'll have a really good offense. But if it's only okay or not great, it's not like he's going to pull the ball down and make special plays right. off of that. You see what I mean? Yes. So, uh, difference between eleven and nine, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'll get this right: eleven and five. Yep. And seven and nine. Yep. Getting ahead of myself. Right now, I put that out on the Twitter poll on my uh, Twitter at Matthew Collar. 11 and 5 is getting 55%, and 7 and 9 is getting 45%. And I think that's very accurate for how fans are going to look at this and to be clear, going into the season. To be clear, for the record, I'm at 10 wins. So I am, yes, much closer to 11 and 5 than 7 and 9. I am too. Because I don't want people, I'm already getting tweets about, I just suspect that fans are dubious. Yes. So I'm not predicting a bad season, ladies and gentlemen. I feel that fans are dubious, and I feel after Cousins last year, and you miss the playoffs, you have a right to be. But I am expecting 10 wins. I got a question off of this, off of the record predictions and everything. When we return, we'll take a quick break. Uh, Chris Long is going to come in. We have our Mr. Mankato. I know. It was an unexciting training camp, but one player emerged at the end, and we want to award him with the Mr. Mankato Award. So Chris Long is going to come in at 3 o'clock, Myron Metcalf at 3.20, and through the rest of the show, we'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily. 2.49 here at Score North. Time for the Score North download, and it's been 10 years since we all went on that magical ride with Brett Favre, and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Viking season. You can join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolget, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition, on demand anywhere you find podcasts, or just go to scorenorth.com and click on shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind, where you can find a multi-part series looking into that 2009 Vikings season. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. I got a question for you. It's important, and it relates to the Every question is important. It relates to the Minnesota Twins. Or it is football. Whoa! Yeah, it does. Yeah. Whoa, Baseball squad. They're still playing. I know. I know. But there's a football connection. Here's the football connection. All right. Got a tweet yesterday from a guy who um, was, uh, he tagged a article about Craig Kimbrell going on the 10-day IL. Mm -hmm. And he said, you guys still want him now? Like, and I, and I was like, look, I, it's football season, man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and he said, well, back in June, you guys wanted Craig Kimbrell. So he's trying to do the old takes exposed thing on wanting one of the best relievers in the history of the game for a team that didn't have a good bullpen mm-hmm. at the time. Shame on us for thinking that. Yeah, how dare uh, we? Right, I know. You got me. I quit. He got injured. What happened? Quit in shame, yep. actually. I'm done with sports. Not just regular. I'm moving on to the opera. <laughs> I am now an opera critic. We have uh, land yards. Oh, I was hoping you would be singing in the opera, not uh, being a critic. I have thrown mine out, and I'm never allowed back in the building because I wanted Craig Kimbrell on this baseball squad that I think can win a World Series. Anyway, so here's my question. We're having this conversation about the Twitter poll. Are the Vikings more likely to go 11-5 and five or 7-9? and nine? And right now, it's split basically right down the middle. My question would be, when are you allowed to do that when it comes to predicting a team or even predicting anything? Like if 
just for example, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Can I get old takes exposed on Kirk Cousins? When they signed him, I said, yikes, a lot of money for that guy. Not sure about this, 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 and this. And last year, everything that I was not sure about all came to fruition. Uh-huh. He didn't lead them very well. He didn't show up in the big games. He didn't win uh, as much as he should have. He had bad moments in the pocket. He made confounding plays that were just baffling, which he did in Washington, too. Throwing the ball backwards to Latavius Murray, the one that comes to mind immediately. He did all the things that he possibly could do to be Kirk Cousins and was the same player in D.C. and didn't get to the playoffs just like he didn't before. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, I'm not sure that that guy's worth 84 mil. I don't know if that's a good decision. And maybe you should try to go a different direction. That was my take when they signed him. Now, this year, I'm saying I really like what they did with the offense and think the defense is good enough and uh, the mm-hmm. schedule lines up for 10 and 6 and that they have fixed a lot of their problems from last year. So now, is there opportunity? Have I covered myself here, Judd? Because if he goes 10 and 6, then am I old takes exposed on saying he wasn't worth it? It's very tricky when you have a I show every day. To be old takes exposed, you have to say something that even you admit yourself or me is outrageous. I agree. So, so yes, but because here's the thing with like the Kimbrel. You want Kimbrel now? My answer is absolutely. Why? Because here's my guess: he doesn't get hurt here. You can't prove he he would have been hurt here. Got hurt in Chicago, right? So, like, if you can get into that debate, then it's stupid. I think it has to be something where you were just flat out so wrong that you expose yourself. I think if it didn't have logical backing. So I'll give you my worst one ever. Uh, worst old takes exposed ever. When the Pittsburgh Penguins fired uh, Dan Bilesma and they named Mike Sullivan their coach, I wrote a big piece for ESPN about how this might be the end of their window. And maybe they should look into trading some of their stars, including Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby. Wow, that's a terrible opinion. They won two cups after that. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Right. Now, Yikes. But here's the thing. And, of course, when they won, I got a ton of Pittsburgh fans. Ah, look at you. You were wrong about a sports thing. As if that's do these people fr- just save these things? Yes, they do. Long? They really do. They have nothing else to they, do. They really do. Um, and and that's okay if you have no life and you want to do that. They don't pay you for doing that, so right. they do pay for this. But anyway, <laughs> so um, the point. But here's the thing: yeah. I did all the research and I looked at Crosby and I looked at Mulkin and I looked at age curves and I looked at their trajectories and all these different things. Okay, right after I wrote the article, they made a bunch of trades. They got other players that came in and helped them. They added. Phil Kessel, I think, after I wrote, or Phil Kessel had not been playing well and looked like he was shot. So there was everything to logically back the opinion. It just didn't turn out how I thought. And I think the same thing will go if Kirk Cousins goes to the NFC Championships or something. It'll The way I would look at it is it was a very risky move when they made it, and there were a lot of reasons to not make it. But it worked out for them, which happens all the time in sports. That's how I would end up looking at that. And I would say the same thing about this offense. If it doesn't work out, yeah, it's, at very least, you did all the logical things. You added the players. You got the right guys running the offense. You're on solid ground here. A very solid ground here. I mean, I'm sure it's that not someone expo- will yell at me regardless. Well, yeah, like, of course they will because they don't like you, but that's but, fine. But I think so, too. I think when it comes to the offense and it comes to this offseason, for the most part, I might have gone a little more off the uh, deep end on adding Wide receivers like Antonio Brown is going to play. Uh, huh? Yeah, of course he is. But that, that whole that's, that's that, another thing. I've been old takes exposed about 14 times, and I still you know came out with him playing. Here's my advice. <laughs> As counsel, get out of the Antonio Brown game because you're never going to win that one. You're never going to win that game. That, uh, that game's impossible. We'll but see. We'll see week uh, three. Here, um, here's one I could be exposed for. If Everson Griffin is great, yeah, then I get exposed because yep. I said I would have cut him. Sure. So that's an exposable one. Yep. But yeah, this whole murky thing of, because you're just going by, also, if if you are tweeting and or talking about something that you know the team thinks, you probably can't be exposed. Like, okay. your your takes on the Vikings offense are probably being held or were held inside TCO Performance Center for months. Yes. I, you yes. think they're not concerned yeah, about Kirk no, Cousins? There's no question. There's no question. And do you think they didn't say, we got to do something to help them out? They proved it by getting Gubiak. And they say things all the time that indicate that they are concerned. I yeah. think fans would be amazed how teams truly think. 
Yeah, no, for sure. That a lot of the things that are getting said by fans and media, sort of fans through media, um, a lot of the time it's conversations that are going inside the building. Even I'll even go this far. Courtney Cronin and I talked about this a little bit, but like there were debates about whether to cut Corey Vedbick. There were debates about whether to cut Kyle Sloter going on in there. Of course. It wasn't just media and fans or whatever. I mean, all these things end up getting argued over. And there's no doubt that after last year, since it was said by the owner, by the general manager, implied by the coach, that Cousins didn't play well enough last year. And if you're a, a fan of the Vikings, that sh- it should really terrify you, though. You, sh- I mean, if you see the way that he played it in does the big to games, several of them, to be fair. I, well, but that it should terrify Mike Zimmer. It should terrify it does, but that's Adam my point. Stephon does. Diggs. The, the things that we saw last year, the total meltdowns in big situations, uh, I think that is totally worth fearing and totally worth voting for 7-9 and nine over. I don't think it's going to go exactly the way it did last year if they make a few field goals, and we'll see. Um, they struggled with fumble luck and field goals and injuries and all sorts of things that maybe won't go that way. So I would put my money on eleven and five over seven and nine. But if you're the person, the forty six percent who has voted seven and nine, I don't blame you at all, and you can't be old take exposed on this because you had logical backing yes. for it at that's the not, time. Yeah, that, that's how I fine. look at that. Okay, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Chris Long is going to be in here. We will name a Mister Mankato when we come back. We've got our official answer, and uh, then we will talk with Myron Metcalf to preview. Some of the games we're excited about for the weekend and look at what happened with the Bears and the Packers last night. We will return here on Purple Daily. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.